This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, September 10th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. John Bolton is out as national security advisor. His tenure at the White House seemed at odds with many of the foreign policy impulses of the Trump administration particularly against the president's impulse to extricate the U.S. from endless, costly war-making. Cato's Chris Preble and Eric Gomez comment. The president wrote on Twitter, I informed John Bolton last night that his services are no longer needed at the White House. I disagreed strongly with many of his suggestions, as did others in the administration, and therefore asked John for his resignation, which was given to me this morning. I thank John very much for his service. So disagreements, uh, it seems that the uh, at least the, the natural impulse of this president is to not be involved globally, internationally. Um, he himself has shown a willingness to be sort of belligerent to um, the leaders of other countries around the world. But what what did he likely mean when he said that there were these disagreements between his national security advisor and the rest of the administration? Well, I think that the most important disagreement, Caleb, is between Bolton and Trump and more accurately, Trump's foreign policy instincts. So the course of his campaign and even going back well before his campaign for the presidency, Donald Trump uh, expressed um, uh, skepticism of uh, foreign intervention. He he did not initially oppose the war in Iraq, but he eventually came around to that point of view, even famously railing against the Iraq war, uh, of course, initiated by a Republican president and doing so in a Republican primary in South Carolina and winning the, the, the primary and then going on to win the nomination. So he had taken out a, staked out a position in opposition to uh, the foreign policy establishment, the nas- including the Republican foreign policy establishment. Um, one of my favorite lines from, he gave one major foreign policy speech in April of 2016, so as he was sort of closing in on the nomination, and he said, foolishness and arrogance had led to one foreign policy disaster after another, unquote, and he pledged to shake the rust off America's foreign policy and invite new voices and new visions into the fold. Um, Of course, he didn't do that. Uh, He invited into the fold people who were mostly establishment figures and none uh, more establishment and more committed and and, uh, to the kinds of wars that candidate Trump railed against than John Bolton. John Bolton was, of course, serving in the Bush 43 administration, was a leading advocate for the war in Iraq, and it was always a great puzzle uh, for those who claimed that Donald Trump's foreign policy views were, in fact, a dramatic departure from that of his predecessors. Uh, The ready response of the skeptics was always the same, John Bolton. Um, And so so there's, you know, now, uh, so, so the disagreements are not new. We've known about these disagreements. The question is, why would the president tolerate those disagreements uh, by a very important figure in his administration uh, and not find someone more uh, aligned who was actually able and willing to uh, execute uh, the president's policies? Well, to you, Eric, we saw the president step in North Korea. There seems to be a great deal of warmth uh, between these two uh, heads of state in a sense. But what, um, with respect to the threats that uh, North Korea poses, what has been John Bolton's role? I think the biggest role that he has had is serving as a kind of blockage to progress. At the Hanoi summit that failed in, in late February of earlier this year, 
that really fell apart and the account for after how or the the after account of what happened placed a significant amount of blame on him and a sort of unwillingness to be more flexible in the approach to North Korea. So uh, I think the best way to think about this is that when it comes to North Korea diplomacy and when it comes to things like arms control or diplomacy with Iran, John Bolton was a locked door, right? U.S. foreign policy couldn't really make much progress while he was there. He wasn't the only impediment, but he was a major one. And now with him gone, the doors are unlocked. We still have to expend effort to open those doors and to take the most of any opportunity that is presented. But they're unlocked, and now there is some sort of sliver of optimism. Um, on the North Korean side, two day, no, yesterday, uh, Choi Sun-hui, the first vice foreign minister and who will most likely be North Korea's uh, lead person at the working level of talks, said that the North was finally ready to sort of sit back down with the United States and begin the discussions that they promised to start back when the two leaders met for that handshake uh, in, I believe it was June. Um, and so now with Bolton gone, I think there's going to be a lot more opportunity here. And coming from the North Korean side, I think they're going to see this as a example of U.S. seriousness going forward for finding some sort of new formulation or some sort of new approach. What the specifics of that is, I'm not sure. I have some speculations, but um, I won't go into those. Uh, and yeah, so I think this opens, this creates opportunity, but we have to also be willing to expend a lot of effort uh, to, to make the most of it. Right. And if I can follow on that, the other opportunity uh, Caleb, that I see, um, and one that will require the expending of effort, but one in which I think the president is, uh, at least has expressed a willingness to expend effort, and that's to end the war in Afghanistan, uh, the nation's longest war, uh, 18 years and, and nearly 18 years and counting. Um, there, the president, every single time he has attempted to substantially reduce or even eliminate the U.S. military presence in Afghanistan, he has encountered fierce resistance uh, even from his own national security officials, those people he has chosen and appointed. Now, again, we can ask the question, why did he choose people that didn't agree with him? Uh, Bolton was not the first to sort of slow roll or resist or object to negotiations with the Taliban and the presumption or uh, that we're going to end this, finally end this war. Uh, but now is an opportunity for the president to actually find a national security advisor who is committed, uh, equally committed to to ending the war and refote more and more important sort of more broadly and refocusing U.S. foreign policy uh, to a narrow set of core national security objectives uh, and allowing other countries to uh, take on uh, more responsibility for their own defense um, and uh, and allow the United States to back away uh, from, from the very foreign policy that candidate Donald Trump railed against. So you mentioned why does Donald Trump hire these people? Uh, with whom he has these apparently significant disagreements, especially when when you hear him talk about things like Afghanistan or Iraq. Um, 
Is it just a matter of these are the people who are available? Yeah, I do think there's a certain amount of, um, dare I say, laziness or at least sort of inattention uh, to the the hard work of policymaking. And that requires a president to seek out uh, individuals who, um, who do agree with him or at least agree with him on certain respects. It may require him to put aside differences um, where someone doesn't perhaps agree with him completely in every other other area, uh, but is willing to work with him and to execute his policy uh, on foreign, po- uh, you know, on foreign policy matters or national security or military deployments, troop deployments, things like that. Um, and so far, uh, the president hasn't shown a lot of uh, uh, inclination to do that. So we joke it can always get worse, um, but in terms of who's available or who is likely to uh, serve in that role, given what we know about the president's inclinations? Are there people that uh, would be preferable or uh, are likely? I've seen a couple names on Twitter, but I think it's mostly people speculating. The news is only about three or four hours old at this point that we're recording. And it's just very tricky to see because there are certain people who are already on the NSC staff who might be candidates, uh, many of which were put there by Bolton, so they share his tendencies, so that might not necessarily be a good thing. Um, there was someone mentioned that you know Secretary of State Pompeo might fill into the role because Secretary of State Kissinger was also uh, concurrently the national security advisor for a time, so there is precedence for that. Um, I've heard a couple people mention uh, Steve Began's name, the current special representative for North Korea. In my own sort of wheelhouse of North Korea nuclear diplomacy, I think that would be a fantastic choice uh, because it would elevate the importance of the person who will be America's lead on the working level negotiations with the North Koreans. And that would be another sign of seriousness that the U.S. is willing to you know, press forward at this level. However, Again, I think all of this is pretty much just speculation at this point. Hopefully in the next several days, a clearer picture is going to come together. Um, there, there are certainly several potential candidates uh, that come to mind. It, I think it would be tougher to be worse than John Bolton. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I'm n- not necessarily that it would be a better pick, um, but... I think it'd be tough to be worse. And, and let me add to that. I, I agree with with Eric completely. And but what we mean by that is, uh, John Bolton was not merely a hawk, but he was also a very skillful um, uh, sort of bureaucratic infighter. He he filled the National Security Council with people who agreed with him. He he uh, worked assiduously to undermine other people in other agencies and people in other agencies to remove uh, those people who might have been more committed to negotiations or to diplomacy or who would resist him and his opposition to arms control agreements and things like that. So he was a very effective um, hawk. He was a very sort of determined person uh, implementing or trying to implement a policy that often was at variance with the president of the United States, but precisely because uh, President Trump is not very diligent and not very attentive to these things, I think there was a lot of mischief that was going on inside of the National Security Council and emanating throughout the national security state. Um, and now there's an opportunity uh, to set that right. 
Eric Gomez is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Eric Gomez is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Chris Preble is vice president for defense and foreign policy studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us and suggest show topics on Twitter at Cato Podcast.